Open up your Bibles to Jonah, chapter 1, specifically going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Give you a second to get there. You're all good. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity to gather together to encourage one another, to build one another up in the faith, Lord, just to see one another. And, Lord, to sing songs and praise you and to remind one another through our singing of your goodness, your love for us and sending your son Jesus and our hope in just trusting you, Lord, trusting you to do the next thing that you've called us to do, trusting you for our next breath, trusting you for our eternal hope. And so, Lord, we're grateful for times like this. Lord, and we're grateful to be able to sit before your word, that you speak to us, reveal yourself to us throughout every page of Scripture. Lord, and we ask that you would do that very thing as we just spend time looking at verses 1 through 3 of Jonah this morning, Lord, that you would encourage us, you would challenge us, you would instruct us, correct us, Lord, where we need to be corrected and um, help us just to walk by faith, to honor and glorify you in everything. And so, Lord, we also ask that you would surprise and delight us as we enter into Jonah, Lord, that you would surprise and delight us with your grace, you'd surprise and delight us with Uh, the ways in which you get our attention or encourage our hearts. Lord, we're just grateful for the opportunity to worship you and to be together before your word. And so, Lord, have your way. Encourage and build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, we are entering the book of Jonah this morning, and we're just going to sort of jump in and do sort of an introduction as we look at the first three verses together. But in preparing this and thinking about, you know, just introducing this, a a question came to my mind as I just really read through this book a number of times over the last couple months and just specifically thinking about it is, I want to just ask you this question. What's the most difficult thing that God has called you to do? I know it takes a little bit of time to, to sort of think through that, like, okay, Lord, what what is that most difficult thing? What are the things that, that God has challenged you in, in regards to honoring him or picking up your cross and, and following Jesus? What's, what's that thing that you found to be really difficult, hard, that sort of uh, stretched you? We all have those things, and I thought about that. There, there's a lot of things, but even this morning as we were singing together, you know, I have some things I'm going to get to in just a moment, but, but I, I, think, I think they kind of all fall under, I'd say, 
if I was to guess, probably the most challenging thing for you that God has challenged you with has to do with you trusting Him. You just saying, okay, Lord, I surrender all and I'm just going to walk by faith here and not by sight. And so, Lord, I know you're calling me to do this. And now you can fill in the blank with whatever that this is. It could be moving to be a part of a missionary group to share the gospel. It could be something really cool like that. And then the things that I was really thinking about as I think about my own life and I think about us as a church, I go out on a limb here and I'm, I, think, I think we could all relate to maybe these two things. And there's a lot of things that God has challenged us in, picking up a cross and falling. But, but these two things seem to come to mind for me when I read through the book of Jonah and I think about us as a church and I think about my own life as well. And one of those things is walking in holiness in regards to just confessing sin. That's a hard thing for us to do. I'm going to guess probably you found yourself having sinned at some point in your life in such a way that you found it to be extremely embarrassing. Or maybe just a little embarrassing. Or hurtful and or possibly with some severe consequences, at least in your own mind, at least if you've thought through this, if I bring this out into the open, if I trust the Lord and confess my sins and seek to repent of those sins, I, I might be embarrassed or I might lose something significant or I might have to uh, seek to pay some sort of restitution in some way or it's just going to be a hard road as I really seek to repent in regards to who I've sinned against. And so those can be hard things. But you know, you know that God's called us to walk in humility. He's, he's called us to actually confess our sins, not just to God, but also to one another, that we might have fellowship with God and with one another, knowing that we've already been forgiven. But it's still hard, isn't it? Hard to trust the Lord, especially as those sins kind of increase, or at least in our mind seem like they can be quite embarrassing at times. Or, on the other side of that is maybe, maybe you found yourself in a position where someone has sinned against you. And you've been really hurt by them. And they've sought to confess their sins and repent of their sins the best that they could at the time. But you've found it to be really difficult, hard, to actually forgive them of their sins. Even though you know that God, through his word, has called you to forgive one another. And he gets pretty serious about that call, that we, we are called to forgive one another. I don't want to oversimplify this, but, but the reality is these two situations can be really difficult. One, walking in humility and confessing our sins and actually repenting of those sins. And on the other side of that, if sometimes it's actually genuinely forgiving somebody who has sinned against us when, when they come and they confess and then walking through it. Because the reality is it can be really, really hard, really, really difficult. Confessing sin is never easy. Forgiving sin, especially when it's so hurtful, is not easy. They both require a death to self and a full surrender to God and ultimately seeking just to trust Him. 
Trust him that God is who he says he is. And Jesus really did what he said he did, as we see throughout Scripture. And he really paid the price for all of our sins. Therefore, we have been forgiven of everything. And not only have we been forgiven by God, but we've also been given this ministry of reconciliation where we can actually work through things. And we're called to work through things for the glory of God. But these things are hard. And God's called us to do both of these things through faith In Jesus Christ who died on the cross for all of our sins. So that we would be forgiven of all of our sins. And that we would have this grace to obey the Lord. And this grace of God is truly an amazing thing. The grace of God is his unmerited favor that he gives to us freely through faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. And we don't earn this grace at all. But instead... We trust and believe that this grace is actually rooted and grounded in God's love for us and through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place. This grace teaches us that God doesn't treat us the way that we deserve to be treated, but instead he treats us the way Christ deserves to be treated, who lived a perfect life in our place. This grace teaches us also that we can freely confess our sins, no matter how severe or embarrassing they may be, because we know that Jesus has paid the full penalty for these sins on the cross so that we would be forever forgiven. This grace teaches us that we can freely forgive one another. God's grace is amazing. It's amazing. And we're going to learn about this amazing grace from the prophet Jonah as he tells us about a time in his life when he tried to run away from God and God's call upon his life to preach this grace to the most unlikely recipients of this grace, the Ninevites. Now, most of you probably know the story of Jonah. I'm assuming if you've grown up in the church, at least familiar with the fact that this is a prophet who's famous for being swallowed by a great fish and somehow survived in this great fish to be spit out by this fish. And so that story is found in this book. And we'll get there, but we're just not going to get there today. This is also a prophetic book. And so some of you, I'm sure, are, are familiar with the prophets. And so we have in the Old Testament a number of prophetic books that sort of point to and share things of of future events that are coming, but this prophetic book is not like those prophetic books. This prophetic book does not have a prophecy in it telling us of some great future event, but instead what we find is a prophet, Jonah, being called by God to do something hard and at the same time come to understand the character of God His love, his grace, and mercy for all people, and his sovereign rule over all things. And so this really is a story. It's a a narrative. I'm going to share a couple uh, quotes from you. So Colin Smith, um, he wrote a commentary on this book, and he said the following about this book. He said, this book is about the disturbing possibility that Having pledged your life to Christ, you may end up spending much of that life avoiding the God you set out to serve. 
It's about the conflict in the heart of every Christian and the grace of God that when you see it will draw you into the pursuit of a God-centered life. And then Richard Phillips in his commentary wrote the following. He said, it is one thing to know the doctrine of salvation by grace and quite another to know the grace of the doctrine of salvation. I'm going to read that again. That's really important for us to understand as you think about Jonah. And I'm going to explain in just a few moments. But, but that one sentence is really why I wanted to share this quote because it sort of helps us to understand this book. And so he's saying, it is one thing to know the doctrine of salvation by grace. And so what he's saying there is, it's one thing to be able to, to write an essay on it. To be able to tell people that the doctrine of the salvation of grace, it's this. It's the fact that God saves people not based upon their merit, but because of his free love. And so the Lord gives this gift. The Lord is gracious in salvation. It's what we learn throughout our entire time in Galatians. But he goes on to say, quite another, to know the grace of the doctrine of salvation. And so what he's getting at is, it's one thing to be able to preach it. It's another thing to actually experience it. To know it. And so Jonah, which we're going to see in just a moment, is he was a man who preached this grace, but he needed to be taught a lesson. He said, this is the lesson of Jonah, the prophet who knew God's grace, but was challenged by God inwardly to embrace it. Sinclair Ferguson has expressed Jonah's story in these terms. It really is a book about how one man came through painful experience to discover the true character of the God whom he had already served in the early years of his life. He was to find the doctrine about God with which he had long been familiar come alive in his experience. So in our text this morning, we're going to be introduced to Jonah. And we're going to see God's call upon his life. And then we're going to take a look at the Ninevites as well. And what we're going to find, really, not just in these three verses, but throughout this entire book, is a runaway prophet. We're going to find a man called by God who hears the voice of God want to just run away from God. And God's grace, wanting nothing to do with God at all. So let me read these first three verses to us. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And we're going to break these three verses up into really just two parts this morning. In our first part, what we see is God calls Jonah. And so these parts are really just sort of ways for us to kind of figure out where we're at as we're working our way through this story. And so the first part is just God calls Jonah. Again, let me read verses 1 through 2. He says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, the phrase, the word of the Lord came to, 
if we were to read through the entire Old Testament, you'd find this phrase pretty familiar. It comes up about a hundred times in the Old Testament. It is used to uh, really help us understand the Lord is speaking to someone. The Lord is typically speaking to a prophet a word that he wants that prophet to share with his people. Typically, it's going to be an encouraging word. Typically, it's going to be a word that's, that's uh, directed towards them to help them see their sin, that they might repent of their sin and turn back, trusting in the Lord that they might receive God's blessing. And so we see that throughout the Old Testament, just the word of the Lord coming to a prophet to speak to God's people. But this word from the Lord is not like one of those words. This word from the Lord is a message to Jonah to get up, to leave his comfortable life in Israel with God's people and to go to their enemies who live in the great city of Nineveh and to call out against them. So this is not a word that he's to share with his people or God's people. This is a word that he's to share with God's enemies. The Ninevites, this is not like those other words. This was not an easy task for Jonah. And as we're going to see, it's one that he really did not want anything to do with. And so I'm going to share a little backstory here. Jonah was a famous prophet in his day. Before this took place, Jonah was a man who was called by God and raised up by God to be a blessing to God's people. His prophetic ministry coincided with the reign of Jeroboam II, who ruled the northern kingdom for 41 years around 700 BC. I know it's a a little technical, but it's just sort of going to help us to understand what's going on here. Why do we have this book in our Bible? What are we doing reading it? And what does God want us to learn from it? And so we need to kind of understand who Jonah is. He, he was a famous prophet who was called by God and used by God to bless God's people, the northern kingdom, as God really called him to help Jeroboam understand that God was about to expand their borders. And so we learn about this in 2 Kings 14. I'm going to read it to you. Says this in verse 23, in the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and he reigned 41 years and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which which he made Israel to sin. Now, verse 25, it says he restored the borders of Israel from Lebo Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-hefer. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. And so that's all we really get about Jonah in our Old Testament. Famous prophet shared this prophetic word with the king 
and the Lord blessed his people. And what we learn in there is the Lord blessed his people, not because they were good people, but because the Lord is good and because the Lord is gracious. And so Jonah would have been this sort of famous prophet, famous prophet known by all. See, they had been invaded by the Assyrians and they found themselves in this desperate place of wanting deliverance as they were on the brink of being completely wiped out, but God decided to be gracious, using Jonah, calling Jonah to speak God's word to God's people. And so he sort of becomes famous. He's the man who hears the voice of the Lord. He's the man that people would want to go to and listen to. What is God saying to us now? Colin Smith, again, writing about Jonah, said the following. He said, godly people wanted to hear his word in those days, just as they do today. And so Jonah would have been in big demand. If he was in ministry today, Jonah would have a full schedule of speaking engagements. His books would be bestsellers, and his page on Facebook would be bombarded by fans. Jonah enjoyed a good life, doing good work in a good place. He was living his dream until one day God interrupted his life. And and that's really what we have here in this book, is we have his story of God interrupting his good life, doing good work with good people. And so what the Lord does is he comes to him and he says this, Arise. Go to Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. It was sudden and shocking in his interruption. I mean, just just think about this for a moment. The reason we sort of do this background is, is to understand, why do we have a runaway prophet? Well, we have a man called by God to be a blessing to God's people, now all of a sudden being called by God to leave that good life and go speak God's judgment upon their enemies. And see, he, he knows God to be good and gracious. He, he's a prophet. He preaches this message. He proclaims this truth to God's people. He reminds them that God is good and gracious. He witnessed it with his own eyes, God being good and gracious to his own people by expanding these borders. And so now all of a sudden God's calling him to go call out upon these enemies and warn them of God's future judgment, knowing that God is good and gracious, knowing that God is probably calling him to go and share this so that God could save them. And so he's, he's interrupted. His good life in a good place is sort of turned upside down. See, Nineveh was not a great city in the eyes of the Lord. It was an evil place. The Ninevites, or the city of Nineveh, it was known as the military capital of Assyria. And so this was the ruling nation at the time seeking to take over the world. They were the ones causing the Israelites all this trouble. They were the ones that God actually was using to discipline them, to help them understand that they need to turn back to the Lord. And so it was just a, a wicked city. They tortured people. Nahum, in his book, describes it as a city of blood. 
full of lies and plunder with no end to their prey or no end to their victims. And so they were just ruthless. And this is whom God was calling Jonah to go and proclaim his judgment. So imagine, imagine being Jonah for just a moment. Comfortable doing what you want to do. Enjoying life with your family, enjoying life with your friends, enjoying the blessings from God as you just faithfully do what God has called you to do and speak those words to God's people. It's, it's just a comfortable life. It's kind of those moments, if you can imagine, it's, 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 he was in the place where it's easy, so to speak, and I say easy, to trust the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's one of those moments. He just, he's found his, his pathway, and it's easy to walk. And then the Lord just says, get up and leave this place. Get up and, and follow me to a harder road that I'm asking you to walk down. Imagine. Imagine being called by God to do something hard. Something difficult. Something you maybe never done before. Have you ever experienced that? Some of you have. I'm assuming most of us have where we can, we can kind of carve out our own lives and we like doing this and it's easy for us. And then all of a sudden there's an interruption. All of a sudden the Lord calls us to do something difficult. And that can look like a million different things. It could look like walking through a serious sickness. So now you have to trust the Lord down that path. Or it could look like having to forgive somebody or having to confess a sin or having to lay a loved one to death and then walk through a season of grieving or a life of grieving. It's just hard. It's difficult. But the Lord interrupts our lives with these things and he calls us to trust him. And so we see a little bit of that going on in this book. Jonah was asked to do something new and something difficult. But if anybody could do this, surely it would have been Jonah, right? The prophet, a man called by God to speak God's word to God's people, and he's already proven that he could do it. So surely Jonah could do this. Surely this great man, this prophet, would be able to just get up and go do what God has asked him to do. And this leads us to part two, Jonah's response. So after the Lord, Lord spoke to Jonah to arise, to go and call out against Nineveh, Jonah immediately gets up, but he doesn't go in the direction that God had called him to do. Verse 3, he says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish and the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. This obviously was not a word from the Lord that Jonah liked or agreed with. Now, if the Lord was giving him a word to share with his own people, I think he would have immediately gotten up and gone, but this was not one of those. This was a word that didn't fit Jonah's faith. It appears really to be the last thing on earth that Jonah wanted to do for the Lord. I mean, why in the world would God see the Ninevites evil and be gracious to them by sending Jonah to warn them so that they might repent? That's kind of what we're going to see 
going through Jonah's mind. Why, Lord, would you want to save these people? The thought of going to an evil and wicked nation to serve them and help them come into or come to know the Lord just did not fit his faith. Even though he was a preacher of this grace, he didn't understand how this would work with these evil people. He knew God to be good and gracious, preached it, but he didn't want the Ninevites to receive it. And so what he did is he got up and he decided decided to run away from the Lord. Went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and then he went down into the ship with them to go to Tarshish as far away from the presence of the Lord as he could go. That's what we have here. We, We have a runaway prophet that's trying to escape the presence of the Lord. Trying to escape this call upon his life to trust the Lord, to walk by faith and and not by sight. And as I think about this, I think if we're honest, we all kind of know what this is like. We all kind of know what it's like to feel like Jonah, to be called by God to do something, to do something difficult, and then not to want anything to do with it. And try to figure our way out of actually doing what, what God has called us to do. Because we might not be comfortable with what he's asking us to do. Because we might not feel qualified to do what God has called us to do. Because we might get hurt or we're trying to just protect ourselves in some way. And so we try to just avoid God and what he has called us to do. It's one of the reasons or what this looks like sometimes. Sometimes this this looks like us stopping reading God's word. And so, you know, as I think through the application of this, sometimes it, it just looks like you might find yourself participating in some sort of sin that you kind of like. That you kind of hold in your life and you don't really want to give it up, but you know you probably should. So instead of obeying the Lord, confessing that sin and repenting of that sin, sometimes what we can do is is we just avoid God by, we're just not going to read his word anymore. We're going to stay as far away from God and his ways as possible so that we won't be confronted by them so that we can then just enjoy our good, comfortable life that we think we have. It just, it shows up in different ways. Just think about your own life. When, when God asks you to do something difficult, what do you do when you don't want to do it? How do you avoid God and that call upon your life? Where do you flee to to protect what you really want to do? That's what we see here. We see Jonah just fleeing the presence of God, hoping that God would just leave him alone. And, and Tarshish is, is really just this place in the middle of nowhere that's kind of you know, trying to figure out where exactly is that place. It's sort of just a destination that's really far away. And it's really far away from where God had called him to go. And it's really far away from where he was living. And so he's hoping to escape to this place that seems to be a godless place so that he'll never be reminded again of what God has called him to do. And so he runs. And we all know what this is like. And maybe you're not just running from God's word. I I see this sort of, just sort of show up in different ways. Especially in conflict. And being a pastor, I guess, for almost 20 years, I've I've seen this show up in in this way. Like, so 
godly men and women who are believers in the midst of conflict, sometimes they're not, they're not, they're not escaping God's word completely, but, but we, can, we can sort of find our way around it in the sense of we can start to be really technical. And what I mean by that is, okay, so you know God has called you to confess and forgive. You know that God has called you to be at peace with all men, seeking to go as far as you possibly can to be reconciled with one another. And so a lot of times when you think through conflict, it can be pretty simple, right? You sin, you ask for forgiveness, they forgive, you move towards each other, you seek to honor the Lord. And I don't want to complicate this, but here's where I'm getting at is, is, is sometimes we escape what God has called us to do by being really technical. And so we avoid those very clear passages and we start to look for technicalities that somehow can work in our minds in such a way that, that make us feel good. Why we don't actually need to confess this sin to this person or why I don't actually need to forgive this person. And I really see this show up a lot when it comes to marriages. This is, I'm going let you in on a secret in my own heart. This is one of the most frustrating for things for me as a pastor, is when conflict gets technical, especially in the context of marriage. And we've spent many hours, leadership team, pastors, just wrestling through our divorce and remarriage statement. And I'm just sharing this because it's one of those things that pops into my head, but but typically what happens in this conflict is, is two believers trying to work things out, very, very difficult, not working out, and then seeking to look for this technicality in regards to why I don't need to pursue reconciliation. But instead, I should just lawyer up and I get a divorce. It's, it's, it's hard. And I'm not saying divorce is never an option. I'm just sort of using this as an illustration that that I think one of the ways that we try to hide from the presence of the Lord is we try to read his Bible in such a way that fits our worldview instead of coming to and say, Lord, what, what do you say here? If that makes sense. We pick a verse over here or we search online for somebody we really don't know and they say this about this situation and they use this scripture out of context but it fits what I'm feeling at the time. Therefore, it supports what I'm going to do in, re- in what you're really doing, I'd say. I'm not saying everybody does this, but we all do this in some ways, is we're just sort of validating us running away from what God is actually calling us to do. It's a technicality. I call it like a worldly sort of wise believer trying to get what they want. And we all do it. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody here. We just do this. So it makes us feel good so we can keep and protect what we ultimately want to protect. Colin Smith goes on and he says this. He says, when God interrupts your life, you may find that your comfort is more important and your obedience more conditional than you thought. That's how it was with Jonah. God's call exposed a thinly veiled selfishness beneath the surface of the prophet's life. That's, that's what's going on here. God calls him to do something hard, and and ultimately he runs, and what's being revealed is he's trying to protect himself. Selfish, wanting to do what he wants to do. And we all can feel that. We all can feel that. 
And the other thing I think about when we go through this book is, is the Lord could have picked anybody to do this task. But he picked Jonah. And when Jonah ran, ultimately he could have just picked another man to do it. Somebody that would just get up and go and proclaim this truth. And it just makes me think, why are we going through this book? Why is this book here? And, and it just begins to sort of make sense in the way that the Lord is teaching us something from an old man, an old prophet. I believe Jonah wrote this book at the end of his life. And now at the end of our life, we have a humble old man sharing a moment in his life when he wasn't so great and wasn't so humble. That we might learn from it in the sense of what, what does it mean to really pick up a cross and follow Jesus? What does it mean to surrender our entire lives to what God has called us to do? Because Jonah, what we're going to see in this book is, is a man who tries to run from the presence of the Lord. He does. He, he tries his hardest. Gets on a boat. Tries to get as far away from the Lord as possible. What we're going to see is the Lord creates a great storm that doesn't allow for this boat to move. And then Jonah tries to kind of hide his way and, and just sort of stay in the storm. And, and the Lord just keeps it there. And eventually the Lord uses unbelievers to get to his heart. And they throw him out of this boat. And he gets swallowed by this whale. And then there's this conversation that goes on in the side of this whale. And the Lord delivers Jonah and spits him out on dry land. And he sort of begrudgingly decides, yeah, I'll go to Nineveh. And he goes. And he preaches this. And then the Ninevites repent. It's a spoiler alert. And then Jonah still sort of doesn't get it. Get it and he finds himself just wanting to die. Crying out to the Lord, just let me die. So he's still, he's just trying to run from the Lord. But this book's here because you, you can run as hard and as fast as you want. Trying to not do what God has called you to do and sort of just protect yourself to do whatever it is you want to do. But what we find in this book is a good and gracious God who will not let his people run. So again, he could have sent somebody else, and that would have made for a great story too. But he didn't. He sent Jonah. Because he wasn't just after the Ninevites' hearts. He was after the heart of his prophet. A man whom he used to serve him, and a man who sort of didn't really understand God's grace, and so he walks him through all of this so that he wouldn't just preach God's grace. He would know it. His life would be changed by it. And we see it. And so we say, okay, this, this changed his life. Well, how do we know? He wrote this story. A very unflattering story about himself to share with the entire world. So I want to encourage us in closing here, church. What's the Lord calling you to do? What's that hard thing? We're going to wrestle with this for the next month, month and a half. What's he calling you to do? What's that thing that you don't want to do? I just want to encourage you to pick up your cross and follow Christ. Because our God is good and he is gracious. He's always at work in everything for our good. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. What he called Jonah to was not easy. But God is good and gracious all the time.
He will help you confess that sin. He will help you and walk you through forgiving one another, pursuing reconciliation with one another, and all the other great things that he called us to. But I just want to encourage you. He calls us to do hard things. May we not run from his mercy and grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, that you would use our time together in the book of Jonah to build up our faith, to encourage one another with it, Lord, to look into this and not be arrogant and proud and think, how could a man do this? But instead, Lord, we would learn all that you have for us from this book. Lord, we're tempted like Jonah to run. We're tempted to be proud. We're tempted to protect self, to take the easy road at times, Lord, to just give in to our own flesh. But Lord, it's our desire to follow you. And so, Lord, would you fill us with your spirit and would you help us? Help us to walk in humility, to recognize that you are always good and gracious. Lord, that we might not run away from you, but instead, Lord, we would always seek to run to you. And Lord, would you bless the remainder of this day, Lord, as we fellowship and as we leave, would you protect us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.